0: So this, this morning I'm going to be talking about the the, the topic of greatness and how um, there is sort of competing views of what greatness is and I, I, I like this chapter of Matthew Matthew 20 because it gives us a unique look into a little bit of a power struggle happening among Jesus's disciples and so you see the human element of these people that followed Jesus and it gives you a unique it gives you a unique peek into, uh, into their, their lives. But Jesus called them to him and said, "'You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave.'" Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word and for the ways that it speaks to our lives. I pray that the words that I say for the next few minutes would be pleasing to you, and that your uh, church would be built up by our, uh, by, by our service and our, and our understanding of what you're communicating in your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Greatness is one of those sort of slippery subjects. Um, there's a lot of competing views about it, but it's also something that human nature is drawn towards. So many of us strive for it and, uh, and search for it, and, but if you ask people, few seem to really ever achieve it. And so the searching continues, and the striving continues. And it's difficult because society gives us mixed messages about what exactly constitutes greatness. We might be told, uh, told in school or told by our, our parents that it's the content of one's character that indicates greatness or that it's about kindness being shown to others and that indicates a great person. And we want to believe and hold on to those things But then who are the people that actually get the attention for being great people? It's the wealthy, it's the successful, the powerful, uh, the beautiful. Those are the ones, those are the people that get written up in magazines and put on the news and, and talked about and discussed as being these great successes and as people we should model our lives after. And if you go back to history and look at lists of great people who have existed throughout human history... You're going to find that list is frequently dominated by the great people: kings, warriors, politicians, presidents, artists who made a huge impact on their particular branch of art. Great, great musicians. That it, it is the list of those figures in history who are important and great. They're all people like that: people who had power in their particular area. So when you see all of those things, it can be tempting to model ourselves after them. I mean, after all, if those are the great people in our society, shouldn't we all be trying to do that as well? And that burning desire that some of us have for for greatness can pull us towards those kind of people to try to emulate them. But as followers of Jesus, the question is, is that how God views greatness? Is that really what we should be striving towards and trying to emulate as our life. What do we do with this desire for greatness while living in and working in the kingdom of God? That's what this passage in Matthew is addressing. You see the challenges of being pulled in that direction of greatness, and you see how it can cause problems in this new reality that is the kingdom of God. Jesus is presenting two opposing views and asking his followers to reject one and to go after the other. Just prior to the verses that I read this morning, the stage is set where the mother of the apostles, James and John, approaches Jesus and kneels before him with a request. And the request that she had was kind of a big ask. What she wanted was she wanted Jesus to assure her that her sons would receive a place of power and authority in Christ's upcoming kingdom, that one would sit on his left and one would sit on his right, and that they would be lifted up with power and authority. Jesus' response to her is, you really don't know what it is that you're asking. Are you able to uh, drink from the cup that I'm going to bear And in that way, he's referencing what's going to happen to him in the future, his coming death, and all the things that he's going to go through. And James and John, they say, yeah, yeah, we can drink. We, we, we We want to drink from that cup. So then Jesus says, well, yes, you are going to go through some difficulties in your life. You are going to drink from my cup, but it's not my place to give places of authority on my left and right, those are reserved for those that the Father has set them aside for. So he's pushing away their jostling for power. Well, this exchange didn't go unnoticed by the rest of the disciples, and they were pretty upset by the whole thing. They were upset at James and John for trying to get preferential treatment angling to have power over the others, because if they're, if they're, if they're sitting in the spots right next to, to Jesus, then they're, they're going to be, have authority over the rest of the disciples, right? And some commentators even suggested that maybe they were more angry because they didn't think to ask for it first. Like, the nerve of these people. Like, I, I'm supposed to be there, not them. And regardless of the reason for their anger, it was clear that the disciples' unity was being challenged by this jostling for power and this ambition shown by James and John. It's in response to that anger that Jesus begins to explain two different kinds of greatness and two different ways of measuring it. The first is earthly in orientation, and the second is kingdom in orientation. Jesus begins to correct his disciples' view of greatness. He points out, that out in the world, in the rest of society, the rulers, the powerful, the great people, they kind of lord their authority over others. It's that sign of authority and power if you're able to tell someone to do something and then they go do it. And if, you're, and if, you're, if the person in charge of you does that, well then yeah, you're supposed to step and do it. And, and that's how it works outside the kingdom of God. It's the way that our our earthly political systems survive. Someone has to be in charge. uh, And and so out there, you may see people abusing this authority that they've been given. So Jesus is pointing out the earthly example is lordship and authority. And when this view, this view of being the person in charge and uh, being, having, being much better and greater than those around you, when it finds its way into the church... Damage is almost always done. When I was a little boy, I attended a very legalistic church, and I've talked a little bit about that in some of my other sermons. But in, you know, in that context, the pastor was viewed as the de facto authority for what God wanted people to do in their lives. And so because of that, there were rules for dress. There were, there were, uh, you were supposed to consult him to make big decisions, that was, he was the man. He was the man in charge. And in that, you see this view of authority from outside, from, from, the, from the earthly systems working its way into the church, and damage was done. So many people left that church after a, time, after a time of trying to do what they thought was pleasing to God and only having spiritual pain as the result. You see, this earthly example is dangerous and toxic to the kingdom of God. And while that's, a, that's an extreme case, it is, a, it, is, it is a sign. It does happen in other places. I've, I've spoke to people who, have, who have, have suffered in the same situations where here in the kingdom of God, power is abused and, and damage is done. It's so important that we keep that, that view of authority from seeping into our minds and finding its way into the churches that we are in. There's plenty of places where authority and money and, and people, the great people in charge are in control, but it's not the biblical standard. It's not what God wants for his people here in his church. And I want to point out that the, I don't think the scripture is saying that there doesn't need to be people in authority or people in positions that put them in charge. That's not necessary. I mean, it, it is necessary It's important. But Jesus is saying that the power and political structures of humanity can't be transferred into that relationship that his followers are supposed to have. A relationship built on love of God and love of others. It's like oil and water. It doesn't mix. So if that's the case, how are Christians supposed to live out and into the kingdom of God after the path that Jesus Desires. And it's here that Jesus explains that his example, his understanding of kingdom greatness is service. It's a person that is a servant. Jesus explained that unlike the earthly example of lordship and authority, the kingdom example is this. He says that this isn't supposed to be this way with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That's kind of a different concept. It's one of those examples of how God's standards run so counter to the way that, that things are often done outside of the church, outside of, outside of God's kingdom. This earthly example of greatness being lordship, authority, and rule and then there's that kingdom example of greatness, which is service. And Jesus proclaims that there isn't this earthly designation of greatness is not supposed to be in his kingdom because he says, Not so with you. I've got a different standard in the kingdom of God. It's also important to uh, note, re- remind my, I wanted to remind everyone that. This doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be different roles for people in the church. Uh, you see that with Jesus and his disciples. He, made, he, he gave them different tasks based on their gifts and based on uh, where they felt called to go. And so there are necessary roles that people do different things. And that, that keeps the church moving. But what he is getting at is the spirit in which these different roles and positions are, are approached. That's what really matters. There's some positions in the church that require leadership by the nature of the position and with leadership, a degree of authority. And I see that when it becomes nomination time and people in the congregation step up to take on different roles. And sometimes those roles are pretty intense. And, and when, they, when they step out and do that, there's a degree of authority that comes with it. But when it's approached out of a spirit of service, it, those, it, it, it works. It's how the church continues to work when people step out with an eye to service. And it's true for everyone in this building. We're all called to different ministries. We've all been given different gifts. But when we approach it from the, as, with the spirit of a servant, amazing things are done and differences are made. Because we all have something to offer and Jesus is telling his followers, how to be great in his eyes when we do it apart from any attention we might get from other people or whether we're ever called great by someone outside in a magazine or on uh, in a newspaper jesus's prescription for greatness it kind of scrapes against the very nature of our human ego i'm supposed to be a servant how do i do that And I didn't want this sermon to turn into one of those things where you you get up and you say, okay, well, that's great. But then when you try to implement it, it gets a little bit depressing because it's hard. You're saying like, oh, you're just, you're moralizing. You're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a servant. Well, how do I do that? And Jesus, the great thing about this is after he asks us and tells us the role that we're supposed to be, the spirit that we're to approach something, he then offers us a solution To that, and tells us how to do that. And it's here that Jesus offers himself up as the example and the source for the power to follow and to do what he's asked us to do. After he told his disciples the manner in which they were to conduct their lives, he lifts up himself and he says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's powerful because Jesus, he's saying, I came and I came to serve, not to be served by others. And Jesus was the most important person to ever have walked the face of the earth. And what he's saying is, I didn't come to be served or to get the attention. I came to do a mission and to serve other people. He could have ruled his disciples and the world with an iron fist Uh, demanding authority and tearing down all the power structures and taking charge of himself. And in fact, that's what a lot of people expected the Messiah to do. But Jesus flipped it on its head. He said, I came to serve. And then he served to the point of giving his life for others. And it's through that sacrifice that we're empowered to live out this example of kingdom greatness. It's through God's spirit that's been given to us because of the way that we have been reconciled to God through Jesus's actions. That's how we can approach what God is asking us to do, is because we've been empowered, because we follow Jesus. It is a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is saying, follow me in this. And when I look across this room, I see a lot of people that inspire me because of their, of the way they embody the spirit of service. In their lives and in the ministry that they do. We heard about one this morning, uh, the people that gather together and uh, send out greeting cards to, to those that are going through a difficult time. That's something that they don't get attention for doing that. It's done out of a spirit of service, and because of that, someone is impacted, and there's so many other people that are active in the church doing things just like that, or are active out in their communities, serving and never being noticed for it. But because of their desire to serve, greatness is accomplished. Things are done to help others, and God's love and his power are proclaimed. And it's in an environment of service that God changes lives. Without Without the people here who do what they do day in and day out to serve others, this church wouldn't exist, nor any of the other churches in this area. But because of that, our community has impacted. Because of people who don't want attention, but are living this true spirit of service and greatness that Jesus is talking about here. And that's what I wanted to encourage you with this morning. Everyone here has been called by God to greatness. And because of the actions, because of what Jesus has done in our world, we get to follow his example. We get to reach out to others. We get to make a difference in our community. Sometimes what we do might not be glamorous, but it's important. There is a place for everyone in the kingdom of God, and when it's approached with the heart of a servant, you've achieved God's standard for greatness. There is no other standard for greatness in God's kingdom than someone who reaches out, does God's will, listens to the Spirit's prompting, and serves. John Chrysostom wrote, You need not be too annoyed if your honor is cast down. No matter how much it's lowered, you'll not descend as far as your Lord descended. Yet the deep descent of one has become the ascent of all. His glory shines from these very depths when Jesus took on the role of servant, servant for all mankind, he lifted everyone up. And that's, and that's what we have the opportunity to do as we follow out and take Jesus' message into the world with that spirit of service. He came and he paid the ultimate price, and now we have the opportunity and the honor to participate in his kingdom. And we all have a place for it, and i'm excited to see what happens through 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 everyone's service let us pray gracious god we give you thanks for the ways in which you have been at work in our lives from the very beginning we thank you god that throughout your church's history you have called people to step up to lead and to serve to lead as servants to lift up those that are around them to address the issues that are happening in our communities and in the lives of others who are hurting. I pray, God, that you would encourage all of us that what we're doing is making a difference, that as we go out and to help and to serve, your will is really and truly being accomplished. We know that it is being accomplished, God, and we thank you for empowering us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.